Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Einstein's Growth Podcast 12. Today's guest is Alicia. So before starting, let me ask you one simple question. Do you ever feel anxious and getting overwhelmed and not being able to do anything about it? If your answer is yes, so stay tuned. My guest today is Alicia Bass. She is a transformation coach. Her focus is helping people learn emotional regulation techniques which help them to decrease anxiety, fear, depression and frustration. Alicia is the host of the Global Man Summit and also the YouTube channel Horsepower, Empowerment True Connection. Hello Elysia, thank you so much for being my guest. I'm really excited to have you as a guest on my podcast. Hi Waleed, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Truly an honor. The honor is mine. So Elysia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, thank you. Yes. So my name is Elysia Bus. I'm located in Charlottesville, Virginia in the United States. I just moved here about a month ago after being on the road for four and a half months um, traveling across the United States promoting the two global men's summits that I was hosting while also filming at different equine assisted learning and mental health facilities to promote how working with horses can help people with trauma and other things that they're struggling with. I love it. So you spent the last four months traveling. I'm really curious about how the journey was. What did you learn during your traveling experience? Because a lot of people say that people who travel, they are not the average people. They learn a lot about life and they acquire some really social skills that are so valuable. Yeah, it was a very interesting experience. Um, for instance, I didn't pay for a single place that I stayed for the four and a half months that I was on the road um, traveling with my in my Ford F-150. Um, I had left Washington State and I had everything that I owned left in my truck. Um, I just packed up and sold my two horses and hit the road to try and help as many people as I could and to inspire hope um, around the nation since so many people were struggling. And the beautiful thing about that was just being able to connect with really good human beings um, who were being safe and mindful in regards to the pandemic. Because like traveling in general is an interesting endeavor. But traveling in the midst of a pandemic is doubly so. <laughs> so it, it was like, hit, instead of hit the road, Jack, it was hit the road, Elysia. That's right. That's right. And so I traveled across 20 states, some of them twice. Um, I keep meaning to add up the mileage that I actually put on my truck. Um, I, I, might, I don't know. I could fashion a guess and say maybe it was 12,000 miles. I don't know. It was a lot. Wow, um, that's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I went from the West Coast to the East Coast, back to the West Coast, and then came back to the East Coast again. So, um, But it was really a, just a beautiful thing how people just genuinely opened up their homes to me, and we were able to collaborate on projects. I always wanted to make sure that I was in, in exchange with the people that I stayed in with their homes and made sure that no one ever felt like I was a leech at all. So sometimes that was like helping somebody paint a building that they were building or help clean their house or work with their horses or, you know, um, help them with their TV network, for instance, was one of them. That was pretty fun. Uh, it's just like all sorts of wonderful ways to connect with people and be in exchange. Connecting with people is one of the best things that 
exist in life. I, I love connecting with people. I'm really interested in their part because we humans love the idea of belonging to a community or whatever what the idea there is behind that community. And you said something you were inspiring hope. I know that like we have been through a tough year. A lot yeah. of people lost their jobs and the pandemic and everything like the new president. It, it was really a very tough year. And despite all of that, you did inspire people. You were like the light of hope, inspiration, because you are a free spirit. And, and I know it's not easy to be a free spirit during tough times. What are your intakes from that journey? I really appreciate you saying that. Like, that's very kind of you. Um, you know, uh, I can't help but be a free spirit regardless of what's around me. It's just who I am. But I think like, I've just always loved helping people from the time I was a little kid. So like, when I was five years old, I had this idea that I was such a big spirit that I could hold the whole world pain as well as my own so that no one else would ever have to hurt wow yeah at five and wow that's just kind of how i moved through the world and trying to support people um if it was just giving them a hug or a compliment you know as a little kid or helping the new kid in school feel like they belonged um and it wasn't until i was like 19 years old that i really learned how to ground energy and as a massage therapist i've been doing that since i was five and uh and i'm now 40 and learning how to ground out energy and as a transformation coach now for people i've learned it's not about holding the energy for everybody else right it's about facilitating the empowerment of other people so that they can live life to their greatest potential through their authentic selves and not have to be so controlled by their emotional state because so oftentimes in life, especially now, people get really triggered into a fear state. And when we're overreactive to the world around us, then it makes it really difficult for us to live our authentic lives because you have all these layers of distraction, distortion um, that takes us further and further away from that and has us blaming other people instead of being accountable for the power that we truly have within ourselves that we're handing to other people instead of standing in our truths neutrally with love and respect for ourselves and others to be able to be accountable for when we have mistakes um, and apologize and make amends both to ourselves and to other people so we can move forward. Freely. I love it. It's like right now I had like three or four questions, but <laughs> the first one I would like to go with is how did you go through that process of making the, 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 the big decision of becoming like the free spirit to hit road to be yourself? to do what you want to do because i know like society is always trying to program us to be a look like which is a very dangerous thing because the truth is every human being is different and every human being has hit has his or her own unique gift Absolutely. mission to to deliver to the world so for sure the idea and Taking action for that idea wasn't easy because fear, I, I believe fear would have been there when you were making that decision. Um, sure. I'm not without fear. Um, there, there is a 
a quote that I actually have on my computer. Um, there's a movie called Dune, like the, the original one for those of us that are old. Um, we're not really old. I'm making a joke, but it comes from that. And it says, I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has go- when it has passed, I will turn my inner eye to see its path. And where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. I love this one. And so I look at that every day on my com- computer as a reminder to myself that fear is... Like we give it as much power as we decide to. And fear is more about acknowledging that there is danger in life. But how you decide to face that danger, be it real or imagined, is what guides you and decides how you're going to live your life and how much closer you'll, you will be to your dreams or whether or not you will live in complacency to your fear. 100%. And the thing about fear, um, I don't remember the, the quote, but I'm going to paraphrase mm-hmm. it. It says some, it goes something like fear is not the absence of like, oh, it's courage is not the absence of fear. That's right. But standing, but acknowledging fear and facing it anyways. It's not to be reckless, you know. Um, some people are just like, well, I'll just ignore my fear and I just run recklessly through life and do whatever they feel like. Um, and it's to acknowledge the fear in yourself and fear in others. Even if we don't understand what another person is afraid of, at some point in life, we have all experienced some level of fear and to instead remember what that feels like and create a safe environment for people to feel seen heard and understood you know to have them feel acknowledged so that then they can move through that and they can process that emotion and be less you know like trapped within it and not feel like they're going to be shamed or invalidated by someone else for having fear and say hey i see that you're afraid what can we do to help you feel more secure in this moment and come together in collaboration of how together we can move forward so you can actually get to where you want to and not be controlled by an emotion. Indeed. And like, how do you think we can embrace fear to make it our friend and use it to empower us to do something really greater than ourselves? That's a great question. Um, I think that recognizing where the fear is coming from and figuring out what we need so that we feel safe to confront it. Because like sometimes we don't have enough bandwidth to confront our fears. So what do you need to do to create an increased amount of bandwidth to be able to address your fear? Um, And sometimes that means having to put something on hold, like an activity or a conversation, because you're not in a space to healthily address it instead of pushing through out of expectations that you put on yourself or someone else has. And so I think taking a step back slowing down and sometimes letting go of our egos is what allows us to make friends with our fear to be able to functionally move forward. That's great. And like here, I'm really wondering, do you recommend people to go aggressive on their fear or to go in a more in a smooth and soft way? Well, I think that depends entirely on a person's like natural character and what works for them, because it's not a one size fits all thing. Just like you were saying how people have different talents and different personalities. I mean, there are nine different intelligences out there and you can people can look up multiple intelligence theory and different attachment styles 
um, in different love languages. Like we all process life differently. Um, and so a person really just has to get to know themselves better to answer that question. 100%. I always say that in life, there is not one single way of living or doing anything. And like believing that there is only one way of doing things has screwed up humans. And it led them to really doing poor or mediocre things and like they are hiding behind that idea i mean i'm really curious about what do you think people should do about their fear triggers fall in love with them so your triggers are just the universe showing you where you need to do work on yourself and oftentimes I engage with people and they, you know, they talk about like, oh, I'm triggered. That person made me mad. And I'm like, did they? Or did they just give you a gift because they showed you where you still struggle to be able to stay in a place of love and neutrality? Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, the thing is, what I have noticed is that a lot of uh, like uh, neuroscience research claim that there is a direct link between our reaction and how does the brain interpret interpret that reaction so like when something so small that happens to you and the brain see that you have you are having a higher emotional reaction the, like the brain goes oh you should pay attention this is important so whenever that thing happens again it triggers the same emotional reaction which is sometimes is very 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 bad because for example, let's say I'm, I'm waiting on a line and someone cuts through the line. I don't like it. I'm, I'm going to be mad. Like maybe I'm going to say, hey, I don't like it. Things could really get heated quickly. Sure. And I don't know. It, it could end up with, with a fight face or something really bad. And that's, that's like one of the things that we have as human beings is that that emotional reaction is very dangerous. I mean, it can be. Um, people struggle with the experience with anger and rage. And sometimes it, they say that those things are bad, right? Um, but people look at yeah. love and they're like, oh, love is great. And I laugh and I say, have you ever met a stalker? Because they love you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or like a person that has been really possessive in a relationship and they say that they love you, but then beat their partner if they feel like, they feel like they've gone against them in any way, like looking at another person. The way people experience emotions can be far outside of what is acceptable, yet we decide to assign value to them. But emotions are simply what they are, and we decide to put negative or positive connotation to them. And so... I love... <laughs> Please go ahead. So go ahead. Emotional regulation is really important because it's not about not feeling an emotion. It's about feeling the full, allowing yourself to feel the full range of emotions available to you and understanding what to do with the energy that's been created by those emotions and transmuting it in a healthy way. I love what you just said. And right now, I want to ask you a question about emotional regulation like if you were to explain what is emotional regulation to a five years old kid what would you say oh that's a fantastic question i love that um i would say what do you do when you get mad because anger is usually a pretty big emotion especially for little kids like their feelings get hurt right yeah and then they would tell me and then i would ask them to think of something that made them really, really, really happy. Okay. And then I would 
help them find the middle. What do you mean by help them find the, mi- the middle? So like they're two extremes, right? So you yeah. would have them, they have the experience like that they're mad and then you give them a really happy experience and then you direct them to a basic experience of the day. That's the middle. So, so it's about shifting their attention from that anger, emotion to a better experience. That's one that's one way to do it. Or if you're trying to teach them. So for instance, like people talk about like men aren't supposed to be angry, right? They have a problem. People yeah. have a problem with them being angry. But men are human and they should be allowed to feel angry. And that's okay. They should be allowed to feel rage. So for instance, uh, I have a nephew who's five who I love to the ends of the earth. And, but, you know, he's a boy's boy. I I feel like he has sensitive moments for sure. He's a sensitive kid, but he also likes to be rough and tumble. So if he got angry about something, instead of him having a fit, maybe I would um, teach him how to redirect that energy to go run. So I'm going to, he's going to transmute that into like kinetic energy and he's going to run, or I'm going to take him to a place where he can take a stick and he can hit it against a rock, which is an inanimate object, which is a completely acceptable form of expression. Just like a grown man, you could say, you're really angry. Why don't you go box? You're hitting something. There's nothing wrong with hitting something if it's in a healthy environment. Like people go and they do fencing. People go and they box. People go and they like can, you know, break rocks in a quarry if they want to or chop wood. You know, there's nothing wrong with that action. It's just making sure that it's in the correct context that's important. This is something I really love because it, it will definitely help people. And right now, like I'm wondering, is there any way we can use like bra- breathing to help our emotional oh regulation? Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah, breathing is a huge component of emotional regulation. Like there's just so many different um, tools that you can use in regards to how you emotionally regulate and what's best for people. Like breathing, doing art, doing yoga. I have friends that are both men and women all over the world that have integrated breathing as a part of emotional regulation and healing on a deeper level, like healing mentally, physiologically. It's incredible what just healthy breathing does. And then there's um, there's this one really famous guy who sadly his name is uh, currently escaping me and he's like climbs. I think like Mount Everest without additional gear because of how he can control his breathing and he swims in like Arctic waters and oh the iced man isn't the it iced starts, man yeah it starts with like a W or something it'll come to me as soon as we get off the line <laughs> 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 but breathing can control just so much within the body and we don't process things well enough because so many people don't actually breathe correctly. And on top of that, um, I actually interviewed a woman in England, Claire Frost is her name, who has learned, she developed a technique to help horses with their breathing because they were actually having physiological symptoms like um, cribbing or sweet itch, which is an allergic reaction to little like gnats that um, bite the horses sometimes and um, just different dysfunctional qualities within the horse that was creating physiological responses just by helping the horse breathe correctly, which we don't really think of animals not breathing correctly. Oh, wow. That's that's really imp- impressive. That, like, this just reminded me of myself. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the guy, his name is yes, Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Yes, absolutely. That's who it was. Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> because he, he really is a badass oh, at doing that. Yeah. Like he's, the, he's incredible. He's I would smart. love to meet him someday. I, yeah. I usually promote him. And also, you know, doing meditations and transmuting energy in that way. I love it when I get to hear about how teachers are implementing meditation um, and breathing exercises for kids before they start school, like in the mornings when they're really struggling oh, to help regulate. That's really interesting. We are going to talk about meditation in a little bit because here is like whenever I'm having an emotional reaction, what I always do is I use the, the technique, the 47H for my breathing. And not only it helps me calm down, but also like it brings more consciousness to me being aware of what is going on yeah. around me in that moment. And I find it to be really an amazing tool for me. Now that you did bring meditation, I'm really going to dive into meditation because I believe that meditation is like one of the greatest gifts to human nature because we can do a lot by learning how to do meditation right and what does what does meditation right means to you because I know a lot of people they say oh I tried meditation and it doesn't work for me and it fascinates me because I mean it just like meditation is simple <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes we do overcomplicate it. Uh, well, you know, I try to be a really honest person, so I'm going to get to call myself out right now and say I very rarely meditate. Um, I believe in the power of meditation. Um, I have once in a blue moon done meditations for people um, because people told me they found find my voice very soothing um but only every once in a while do i meditate myself um for me i i do gratitude journaling for 20 minutes and i mean i guess some people could kind of find that a form of meditation but finding the ability to look deep within and be very honest with myself and expand my ability to find things to be grateful for, even in the most difficult situations, um, has been what's helped me the most. I love your honesty. <laughs> and yeah, like, on, I, I love. <laughs> I am not a perfect person. I still have my own stuff I get to work on, too. <laughs> no one is perfect. Like, I don't believe in perfection. Um... Like, I, I always say. Perfection is like the biggest BS that humans believe in. And speaking of BS and perfection, a lot of, a lot of people, they, like they are hiding behind perfection to do things that they want to do. And they are not even grateful for being alive because they have an opportunity, opportunity to do really remarkable things in their lives. So speaking of gratitude, what does gratitude mean? do for people like why is it important to be grateful for the things that you have how do you see gratitude why is it important um i feel like life is just better when you get to walk through it with gratitude because it's so easy to be bitter when things are hard you know if something didn't go your way if something broke if you've experienced a trauma if you bought yeah you've lost someone or something um there are just so many opportunities to be sad like if you watch the news and you just see all the truly horrific things that are happening in this world it's really easy to spin out and it's for me it just really helps to remember the things that 
um, are good in this world to remember the things that are filled with wonder. There's so much wonder out in the world around us. I mean, it's, it's so simple to even just like look at, like looking at my windows, for instance, like looking at the plastic frame and be like, wow, that's amazing. Somebody had the thought of how to create that plastic there was a person there was a time in history when like that didn't exist and out of nothing out of a person's imagination and genius they were able to figure out how to bring those polymers together and somebody thought of how they could put the window the glass into that frame and somebody figured out how to do paint and somebody created these computers in front of us and this technology and somebody had the artistry to create the tapestry next to me. And that's amazing. Even something as simple as a plastic bag that we take for granted, but somebody figured out how to create that for the convenience of us all. And we, we just get busy through the hustle and bustle in the day. We forget about all these different things that we have around us that make life easier and in their own way harder um, because we have pollution and everything else that's gone through the roof. But even things when people like make us mad, we're like, that situation was hard. I allowed that to be frustrating to me or I allowed that to hurt my feelings. But because I engaged with that person who was not in a good space, who lashed out at me out of their own life journey, now I have the opportunity to look inside myself at the points that were quote unquote weak, the points that I struggle with that I am now have the opportunity to be faced with so that I can become a more functional human being so that I can rise and become stronger. And then that I can remember the situation so that when I run across somebody else that's had a similar situation happen to them, that I can help them have a better life. And I get to be grateful that that person was unkind to me because now I get to help somebody else. Oh, there are lots of wisdom here. Like, this is so insightful, like especially like the part when you were talking about the ability to contemplate the smallest things that we take for granted, although at one point of history, they won't even exist and someone with his or her own imagination, they created that thing. And this is really interesting because the things that we take for granted it's really making us live in sometimes sometimes it it really make us live in really in a more empty way and this leads us to like anxiety fear frustration and when when we think about frustration for example like what what is the difference between frustration and anxiety it's just the vibrational quality of it um, and the choice, like everything in life is a choice. Like it can be really uncomfortable for us to make those choices and take the energy and the time to reframe things. And, um, but sometimes it's a difference of seconds or minutes or hours. Like, am I going to dwell on it and am I going to process it for that long? Or am I going to dwell on it for decades and allow that one experience to frame the rest of my time on this planet. Well, that's that's really interesting because a lot of people, they dwell on things. And why do you think people dwell on things? Is this because it seems familiar? Or is this because we are lazy that we don't like to take... Yeah, because sometimes we don't like to take ownership oh, of no, our for life. Sure. And easier <laughs> to blame others than to take responsibility for our own shit. No, for sure. So for one, I'm not a counselor. 
I'm a coach that I have experienced a lot in my life, um, both fantastic and dark. Um, and that's part of what guides me, you know, through this wisdom that because I was willing to look at the darkness instead of run from it. I was willing to like look into, you know, the trauma that I had experienced and and move forward. And for a lot of my young life I did dwell on things. Oh my gosh, I dwelled on them so much. But part of the reason I feel like I dwelled on them is because I didn't have a person that I felt like really I could communicate in a safe way that they weren't going to shame or invalidate me um, or like poo poo the situation. Um, and so I just would kind of spin out about it. And um, I dealt with depression and anxiety for years, years and years and years and years. And I worked through all of it, honestly, like by myself. And it shouldn't, it, it doesn't take that much time if you have the right people in your life to guide you through it, you know, as mentors. And that can be a peer mentor, a friend, a family member a teacher, um, a coach, counselor, you know, like whatever, um, is available to you. But I think a lot of it just comes from insecurity. Like we do, we dwell because we don't know how to change it on our own. And you just like spin on it until something either inspires you to move forward or something actually changes. Something bigger happens that takes up that space in your, your brain. Oh, that's really interesting because here's the thing, like I survived seven years of depression myself and three suicide attempts. So it, I can resonate with that. Uh, and when you said insecurities, I was like laughing because I had plenty of them. And I'm really curious, like what was your biggest insecurity and how did you overcome that insecurity? My biggest insecurity, that's, a, that's an interesting question, a very vulnerable one. Um, so my biggest insecurity, I feel like was not feeling worthy enough because I thought that I was fat that I was younger or I wasn't like I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't like pretty enough um for like a really long time and even though like I wasn't like I got I got a bit overweight when I had my back my second back injury because I couldn't move because I was like in debilitating pain uh I couldn't walk more than 10 feet at a time I was in a wheelchair for four months um, so I feel like I should give myself a little bit of a brief pass on that one, but uh, I was fairly fit for most of my life, and uh, being a curvy lady, and it was it was crazy that I thought that I was like not smart enough because my IQ is like 140, <laughs> but somehow, but somehow, wow. um, my family, I feel like I just wasn't I wasn't good enough, and so working through that took a lot, and it honestly wasn't even until like this last year that I realized like something happened and I had a little bit of like a breakdown and I realized and I was so grateful for that situation that happened because within it I realized that all the dysfunctional patterns of my life had come from me looking to everyone else to assign value to me instead of me assigning value to myself. I love it because like for me, my biggest insecurity was being or looking stupid because when I was a kid, I always heard that, you are, hey, where did you are stupid? So the idea was instilled in me and I started believing that, not only believing it, but I also started act, acting accordingly. So when I grew up, I always had the idea yeah. that I'm stupid and like I built my self-esteem, my identity about like around being like the smartest so i always hang out with people who were like the smarter 
than me to feel good about myself then like with depression it hit me like hey will you gotta wake up for real you you gotta wake up so what i did is i shifted my mindset from the idea of looking smart to becoming really an avid learner and it completely helped me it changed my life so what, what was my biggest insecurity has become my biggest strength if like if someone says to me hey Willie, you are stupid i would be, oh thank you <laughs> tell me yeah like tell me why do you think i'm stupid what ideas that do i lack in okay so i'm going to improve that and it just started making me feel better because i noticed the the, the progress and that progress like we humans love progress it makes us feel better like there is some fulfillment in the progress yeah no absolutely and i'm i'm glad you were able to find your way through that whole experience and and also for me like you asked me how i managed my way through that so um i just i didn't feel like i really belonged and i felt really ashamed kind of like of how i was feeling because every day from age 13 to 26 like i had suicidal ideations i had suicidal thoughts because i just was so unhappy and not feeling like i belonged or that anybody heard me or saw me and it's been a journey to just be able to be vulnerable and be open about that but for me it's not about being a victim it's about just being open and honest so that other people out there who are struggling with things can be like, okay, I'm not the only one. There are other people that have survived and made it through these situations. And what I did is I just worked on myself every day from the time I was 13 years old to try and be a better person to figure out like, okay, like what's going on? Like, why do I feel the way that I do? And what can I do to help myself get out of that space? And Eventually, I remember like one day waking up when I was 26 and like all those thoughts were just gone. And I don't remember like what I did specifically that day, that year, whatnot, that made them all go away. But it was finally just gone. And like I didn't take drugs. I'm allergic to marijuana. Um, I've never been a big drinker. And I just, I used to exercise. I used to dance. I used to dance salsa and hip hop and techno. And that is part of what kept me alive and the great love that I have for my mother. She's an incredible human being. And um, so just working through that. And I think just having people to be accountable for themselves. And, and a phrase that my father told me, which is that the way out is the way through. Because you always know that like what you did yesterday, like if you do that same thing, you know, what the result will be but you have to keep moving forward like even if it's like 10 steps forward and nine steps back it's still one step forward and you just have to have resolve and you just have to keep going and um and forgive yourself and other people and i think <laughs> your father i was just okay, gonna say go that i think that for most people forgiving themselves is one of the most difficult things to do absolutely and your father he is, is a, a very man. wise man even if he does drive me crazy sometimes i do love him <laughs> That's what right. parents do. <laughs> I am very blessed with my, my family. You know, like yeah. every family I feel like has its its struggles, but it's in finding grace and understanding um, that sometimes like you can love somebody unconditionally and still not get to talk to them hardly ever. But just holding the space of love and, uh, and grace and forgiveness can be very powerful, just energetically. Absolutely. So, Alicia, I have okay. last three questions. What do we got? <laughs> so yeah if you can give us three techniques or strategies for emotional mm. regulation what would they be three techniques 
Um, I think the resiliency and putting like start like the key one of the keys to emotional regulation is starting your day off in the best headspace that you can. Um, because it increases your bandwidth for anything that might make you feel reactive over the course of the day. So um I really believe strongly in journaling for at least twenty minutes the things you're grateful for. And even if that starts with I'm breathing, I'm grateful that I'm breathing. I'm grateful for a roof over my head. If you have one, there have been times in my life that I didn't. Um, I'm grateful for like hot water. Uh, I'm grateful for the ability to smile. I'm grateful for the people who love me, even if I don't get to see them. You know, like whatever you feel grateful for. Um, you, maybe you're grateful for your awesome fancy car that you get to drive luxuriously around the city, you know, or your yacht, you know, like whatever thrills you. It's all good. But if people struggle with um, figuring out what they feel grateful for because life feels so dire and some people have truly dire situations in their life and I don't want to belittle that at all. Um, but finding the simplest things um, like being able to just move any part of your body. Um, yeah, that's, that's where you, that's it. where you start. Um, the other thing is to pay attention to the feelings in your body when you start to get snappy. Like what did you feel in your body right before you became reactive um, to something? Because those are your precursors that when you're out and about, you notice that and that's when you can start using the positive self-talk and gratitude and whatever helps to reel you back in or just having boundaries. Like if you're talking to somebody and you feel like, heat coming into your body and you can't think quite as clearly to just be like I can't talk to you anymore right now we're going to need to table this and we can come back to this conversation later or if it's not a functional conversation just know that you're not going anywhere with that person because they're not in a space to listen to you like I used to have an ex-boyfriend that we would argue round and round and round and round in my 20s and I finally got into a space where I would tell him I'm like I can't continue on this with this conversation and he just continued trying to run me over in the conversation and I would just hang up on him <laughs> I, I would be like I, I, told you, I tried you know I could be polite and then you chose to run over my boundaries so I just hung up and like sometimes boundaries just need to be that clear and some people will think that you're rude but you'll know in your heart that you gave them the opportunity to you're like, I want to have a respectful relationship with you. This is what I need from you in the, this moment to maintain it. Because I knew that if I crossed beyond that point that I knew for myself, that I was not going to be a respectful person in my communication because I was triggered. I had allowed myself to become mad and I was going to hit back verbally, you know, and because um, I'm not the type of person that's going to let somebody walk all over me. But I'm a counter puncher, so I'm not going to start the fight <laughs> And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have those, those I'm not going to be like, hey, like, here's your warning shot across the bow. Like, let's not keep doing this. Here's your second one. And then I'll like, if I'm not, if I don't have it, if I didn't give myself enough bandwidth, you know, because it's the human condition, you know, I've aged and I have wisdom and I don't put myself in those situations anymore, but I can laugh at the process and the person who I once was in that and not feel shame. Be like, yeah, I did the best that I could in the space that I was in that stage of development evolution, you know? Um, so that's the second one is to pay attention to your body. And, um, and three would be like, 
your breathing, you know, focus on your breathing would help with the emotional regulation. But I guess that kind of links into the body awareness too. But if you don't necessarily notice that um, the body awareness first, then the second step is like, start breathing. And that's awesome. That's really awesome. So my second question is, what does growth means to you? Growth. Growth? What does growth mean yeah. to me? Um, growth is a necessary evolution for a functional life. <laughs> I feel like growth is setting goals and every step that you go, every step that you take that gets you closer to attaining those goals is growth. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's simple, you know, like Amazing. I was talking to a new friend the other day. We were on a hike and um, she was talking about how she hates running. And I asked her, I was like, well, why do you hate running? And um, she's just like, well, I just, I get so tired and I just, there's these expectations that I'm supposed to go so far. And I said, okay. And she's like, yeah, like a mile's like, okay. And I said, well, what if you just took one step past a mile? And then the next time you ran, you took maybe 10 steps past the mile. Cause like who's setting the expectation that you have to get to five miles, like the third time you go running, you know, you just start small. You, because start you small. just allow yourself to take the wins and have a proper gradient. So you think about like a mountain versus a hill, the hill that leads up to the mountain. If you have not been exercising and you decide you're going to go hike, like climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you're probably not going to get very far. <laughs> but if you decide that, oh, no. you're going, that you can reach that goal 15 years from now or whatever, or five years or two years or whatever, then you start at a gradient that allows you to respect your body and your mind without breaking you in the process. 100%. So, Alicia, my last question is, how can people how can reach, people out, reach out, out to me? you? You can find me at Global Equine Affiliates online. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a few different groups on there. Um, you can find me on Global Equine and Equestrian Coaching. And if you're a man needing more support, um, like what I did for the Global Men's Summits, you can find that on Global Resources for Men. And then for non-equestrians, I have Resiliency Rocks. <laughs> Amazing. That's so awesome. So, Alicia, thank you so much for being my guest. It was really so much fun. A lot of insight, a lot of amazing vibes. Thank you so much for honoring me on your podcast. I really appreciate you and what you're doing to make the world a better place yourself, Alicia.